0: and welcome back to the Model European Union Strasbourg podcast. Today we have a fascinating topic to explore, interest representation and lobbying in the European Union. I'm your host Elena and joining us is a seasoned interest representative who will shed light on this fascinating aspect of EU politics. Let's dive right in. Interest representation and lobbying play a significant role in shaping EU policies and influencing decision-making processes. Today, we have Giorgio Corbetta, an experienced interest representative, to provide us with insights into this intriguing field. Welcome.
1: Hi, and thank you for having me.
0: Mr Corbetta, we're delighted to have you with us on the podcast today. To start, do you think you could just share a little bit about your background and your experiences as an interest representative in the European Union?
1: Sure. So I've been in this business for around 11 years now, closing 12 years. I've been in Brussels since, since then, actually. And uh, I started my career actually in Milan. That's where I hear from. And, and then from there, I was working with a company who had a satellite office here in Brussels, and there was the opportunity to come here. And so I say, you know, by chance, as an opportunity that really came my way, and as most things in life, which are great, are by chance, right? And so I started working, and you, you can say you affairs as a broader uh, pool of things, or as a broader kind of profession. And from there, you know, I think I fell in love with the work, I fell in love with the city too and I was fortunate enough to be able to stay. And so I've been there since then. And since then, I think my industry of work has been energy as such uh, with a number of overlaps with obviously transportation, uh, with clean tech, with environment. And uh, I worked across different trade associations, um, consultancies and at corporates, and I now work uh, At a place which I would say encapsulates everything I've been doing so far uh, which is an association management company which is called Kellen and there I have two hats. I worked as a manager in the company so I'm responsible for the energy and clean tech business and then I worked on a few clients so I think uh, this is great and it helps me or it really allows me looking at lobbying and public affairs from a few different perspectives.
0: That's fascinating. Thank you so much. Um, Interest representation and lobbying can often be perceived as quite controversial, sometimes seen as quite an opaque sort of practice. Um, Do you think you could shed a bit of light on some of the strategies and tactics used by yourself and other interest representatives to influence EU policies?
1: Sure. I think you're asking two things here, right? One is about how transparent the process is and how can you work towards transparency as an organization, which does effectively lobbying, in, right? To your first uh, question, I think it's very relevant now because, you know, next year we're going to have European Parliament elections, uh, which is probably the the one every four year situation where most people realize that there's a European Union and there's European Parliament, right? So I think it's a great opportunity to also reflect on how transparent the EU policymaking process actually is. And I think we, um, or we, you know, the European Union has done actually quite a lot of work and it came a long way. If you think about it now, you have a transparency register uh, by the European Commission um, where, you know, you need to be registered if you want to do lobbying, um, which is very transparent. Um, you need to also get a badge if you want to enter the European Parliament and have conversations with EU policymakers, EU parliamentarians. And on top of that, officials traditionally have to log in the meetings they have. So I think it's gotten um, very transparent. Of course, there's a lot of work that we as lobbyists also have to do uh, to sustain that kind of transparency. And I think it really boils down to how you lead yourself and how the company you work with really approaches policymaking and or influence in the policy policymaking process. And I think once again, it's a game uh, you need to play by by the rules. Of course, we we all. Read about episodes in the recent times that don't really go that that kind of direction. But I think overall uh, the process is pretty transparent. And I think you know lobbying essentially it's about educating policymakers as to what the issues are from the perspective of society and of industry, and what are the, the solutions that could be then written into law
0: that's really interesting thank you yeah because i think it's um it's definitely something that uh we you know we've come a long way in terms of the transparency um that's involved with a lot of these things um there's a lot of sort of innovations that have helped to increase transparency there um so what i was wondering is what what comes next is there anything further that could be done or that needs to be done in order to ensure um that that transparency is upheld and maintained Um, especially when you're considering sort of public trust in the system?
1: I think it's an interesting question. I don't know that I'm best placed to answer that question, but from where I look at it, there's obviously more to do. And I think it's, it's very fragile and it's very delicate as a standard because I think the main problem is The European Union, as I mentioned, is often looked at something, something which is very far away, something that, you know, only has a negative impact on everyday life. Right. Uh, There's the old example about the shape of the banana. Right. Um, But that's only one example. I think if you think it through, obviously, the European Union has has a lot of impact on everyday's life um, if you think that you know most of member states legislation is actually coming from european union legislation but then on the other side i always like to recall that peace in the european union depends also on the european union as an institution right and as a family of member states and i think now Uh, or actually up until now, we probably tended to forget that, but I suppose that recent wars and recent situations that you see um, near, actually far away from the European Union are a reminder that actually peace is not a given. Now, I'm not actually answering your question about what else can be done, but I think the way to look at it is this. So I think the perspective I use is um, uh, there's value in the European Union. We we gotta protect that value, and there's obviously much more to do. And um, that'll be very simply what I would say.
0: Great, thank you very much. I think you've definitely given our listeners uh, a lot to think about there. Um, So as participants begin to prepare to take on the role of interest representatives in the simulation at Model European Union Strasbourg, what sort of advice would you have to give them to effectively advocate for their interest groups and to make an impact on the discussions?
1: So unfortunately, when I was younger, I never participated. I think when I was younger, probably the model wasn't even there. Um, But I would say from my experience, it really boils down to understanding the process and trying to understand when to do what. And I'm going back to how the European Union works, right? So the legislative process, and I think most of you would have started that as cool, starts with the European Commission um, and then goes to the European Parliament and the Member States. I'm obviously oversimplifying there, but I think it's important to understand um, when to talk to whom and what to say. And I think when it comes to what to say, what I find is critical is to put yourself in the shoes of the people you're talking to. And then there's obviously a very different perspective between a European Commission official who is drafting the legislation to a member of the European Parliament with their own constituencies. Right. And so by understanding what your stakeholder or the person you're talking to wants and needs, you you can better craft what your messages are. And I think in the end, the purpose is really uh, to get to legislation which better reflects the, reality of facts, be it, you know, regulating an industry, regulating the protection of the environment. And the other thing I would say is, but that I would say it's probably a, a given knowing your craft. So knowing about the actual industry or sector or, you know, in any case, an issue that you're working in and representing. But then I would say, uh, knowing is the basic. Um, Then you need to figure how granular you have to be, depending on where you are in the legislative process. But then what really makes the difference is how you use that knowledge. So I would say my main advice is really have fun and immerse yourself in uh, this fascinating
0: world. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I think that's a great message uh, to our forthcoming participants. Well, thank you so much for sharing your valuable expertise with us. It's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that wraps up our episode on interest representation and lobbying in the European Union. We hope you gained some valuable insights into the strategies, the ethical considerations and the impact of interest representation. Until then, stay tuned, stay engaged and get ready for Model European Union Strasbourg.